0: our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to listeners like you patrons who have supported this show over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. We are extremely grateful after eight plus years of doing this show. Last week, we announced our Patreon and then promptly botched that launch (laughs) by not, not having the page up when the show went live. Uh, In my hubris, I thought that uh, Patreon would approve our, our show boy, a lot faster than they did. Uh, But luckily they did. You know, it only took them a little over 24 hours. (laughs) And I thought it was going to take, you know, a couple of hours. But that's okay. Uh, The (laughs) Patreon did get approved. And so many of you have uh, just overwhelmed us with the love and support uh, messages that I've got on Twitter, messages that I got through Patreon. Uh, So many folks just... Really happy to help and make sure the show continues. Uh, and Christian, you know, before we get to our guests, we have an awesome guest this week. We have awesome content, but I just want to give people uh, a little quick update on on how the show is changing and uh, what the Patreon means, and the fact that we get to continue making the show. We are we we now own this show, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, We're talking about you know, we have, we have, uh, paid someone to develop a new logo for the show. We're going to be working on that. We are, uh, talking about maybe updating after eight years, the, the opening song. And I, yeah. I you know, I'd love to hear uh listener's, uh, ideas about that. I know this song is, is has been in your ear holes for, for eight years, but we also don't own that. <laughs> As you know, <laughs> Elon Musk has used it along with a lot of other people. It's just royalty free music that we've sort of uh, associated ourselves with. So we may be having an actual song written for us by awesome musicians. Um, although, you know, we want to be open to our patrons, what they think. If if you guys want to keep help, you know, keep us using this, uh, you know, royalty-free music, maybe we'll just stick with it.
1: It's,
0: <laughs> we, we aim to please. But uh, there are, you know, there are a number of things, and we've heard from also a number of folks uh, as part of our patron tiers is that there is going to be now, uh, what we will lovingly refer to as paid DLC, uh, this is the free DLC, but there will be paid DLC, uh, the show we were calling the uh, the Parting Gift Show. Uh, and I've heard from, uh, Christian and I both have heard from a number of you who are sad uh, to the idea that the Parting Gift at the end of the show that we've been doing for many years now uh, will be broken off and behind a paywall um, as a Patreon reward. And we hear you we hear you this is an evolving uh idea the idea is that we will be doing extra content for patrons uh more show we think doing the the parting gift a little bit longer a little bit more in depth is uh the best idea but we will continue to figure that out and make the best show we possibly can in both regards both the free version and the paid version so
1: i mean um, i pitched i pitched doing just it'd be the show the same show but at 4k 120 so like it's just like a little crisper <laughs> yeah the uh, performance
0: option or the uh a fidelity option right that's uh-huh. the, that'd be really good you do not want to hear us at fidelity though boy our voices not do not hold up they do not withstand the
1: fidelity. <laughs> so many filters i mean oh I, it's I have not blur good. effects on so yeah. many things right it's, now
0: <laughs> you can't up res this you know what i'm saying <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, the other thing is, you know, we kind of talked about last week being the soft launch. So this is all, you know, that we, we're, we're going to have the, the first, pa- uh, parting gift show, uh, to patrons, uh, this week, and we are, uh, delivering all these things. We want to reach out to all the folks at the, uh, hype train tier and make sure we are saying your name correctly. Uh, we want to shout out all those folks. It's just an overwhelming number of, of people and, we're so delighted and grateful for that show of support, but uh, we won't be doing the hype train shoutouts at the end of this episode uh, because we wanted to make contact with all those folks and make sure that, you know, we're pronouncing your name correctly. You want us to say your name, how, you know, you want us to say your first and last or how you want to be shouted out. So uh, all that is is happening. Uh, we hope that you can bear with us as the show kind of, uh, you know, enters a new era. And uh, that is all possible because of so many of you that answered our call and said, hey, this show is worth supporting, is worth making sure it continues. Um, so thank you. I should also note, uh, there are some folks who are saying that, you know, oh, the, the lowest tier on the Patreon is $5. That's not the least money you could donate we never want anyone to donate any dollars at all if it would put you in any kind of financial hardship That was never anything we would want, but also just because the perks begin at five dollars doesn't mean you can choose not to you know you don't you're not able to support the show at a lower dollar amount. You can give whatever dollar amount you want uh on patreon so if if just symbolically you'd like to support the show at a buck, we would be grateful and honored uh to take that uh dollar every month that is. Certainly, something you're able to do. And again, if if you are not financially able to do that, that is fine too. There are other ways to support the show. Tell your friends, give us a positive review on your platform of choice. Apple Podcast is a great one, but wherever you get this podcast, um, so those are, those are ways you sh- you can support the show for free as well. Christian, you want to add anything? We 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 both have been texting all week, just talking. Or the last few days, it's not been a full week because. <laughs> We, I botched the launch, everybody, <laughs> but, uh, we have just been so happy and, um, honored, frankly, about, uh, the, the level of support and just the, the kind wishes that people have sent us. And, and it's just been awesome to see. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited for, uh, 4k 120 personally, like that mm, is still, mm-hmm, it's still mm-hmm. my, uh, I mean, I'm just excited, honestly, that our eShop isn't being closed, right? Like that's what,
0: <laughs> well, stay tuned.
1: I think you know, our, in order to our, close, our, the, order to close e-shop. the
0: eShop, you have to have opened the eShop Kristen. that's the prerequisite. <laughs> uh, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, we also do a video game podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for the support. We will make an, a video game podcast, and we have we have someone who has s- sit, sat through this <laughs> horrible preamble patiently a guest, and A guest happily. years
1: in the making, literally, literally guess. years in the making. We have I'm wanted so to have
0: this person on the show for literally the years. Uh, someone we think very highly of. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata. And you're downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dog of Lewd Countenance. Because (laughs) we have Vice President at Naughty Dog, Arnie Meyer, joining us for the first time. Arnie, welcome to the show.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it has been years in the making. We first talked about this in 2015, so seven years later. We're here right at the time of transition for you. (laughs) Going going on to Patreon. Like, you you wanted to wait
0: until you had to sit through uh, 10 minutes of us uh, talking about, uh, you know.
1: But literally, a second. So, two, to people that are going to be like, Christian is a naughty dog shill. He got paid to do a podcast for them. That's fine. You can keep saying that to me. But also, (laughs) as Arnie just said, 2015, this podcast started in 2014, year two. I was like, you know what? this show's good enough that I'm going to try to make this happen. And I've been, we've been emailing and I don't want to throw you under the bus, Arnie, but hockey is a big deal. Uh, I had to work around hockey schedules. The only reason I did the last of us podcast, to be honest, was to make this happen. I was like, fine, I'll do this prestige format show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited you're here though. Thank you for taking the time.
2: Yeah. Again, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's congratulations on the Patreon launch. Like, thank you. This is this is a real great new era for you of uh, you know sort of independence of of paid DLC and free DLC.
0: <laughs> and uh, congratulations to you The first big uh, Naughty Dog film just debuted this weekend at the box office. So congratulations on that. Very thank cool. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into it after after all that. We got we're going to start the show. The way we always do, and that is with Story of the Week. Story of the week is the story of the week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting one of our awesome online communities. One of which is on Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord. The other on Reddit, which is the 5x5DLC.reddit.com subreddit. Fantastic folks over there. Uh, great way to interact with other people who listen to the show. We urge you to stop by. But Arnie, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Uh, I, I was thinking about it. I mean, why don't we start with, uh, Netflix sort of making the Bioshock
0: movie, uh, putting that in, uh, yeah. a little
2: timely, right? We've got our yes. movie out. That's, that's definitely on the brain right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how involved you were in that process or how much you were even able to speak, uh, uh, to it, but certainly it's interesting. Netflix, uh, put out, or, I mean, I'm not sure, was it Netflix that put out the statement or was it, uh, take two that put out the statement, uh, saying Netflix geeked i think a netflix geek yeah so uh this is happening this a bioshock film which we've heard about for quite a long time almost as long as the uncharted movie i remember uh, when uh, mark
1: Wahlberg <laughs> was going to star as big daddy that's how long it's been
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean but no you joke but uh gore verbinski was going to direct uh ages ago and uh then other um other directors uh juan carlos uh, Friends in, uh uh fresna dio i butchered that um but uh yeah this has been a thing that has, has been percolating for quite a long time but it sounds like netflix is the one who's actually going to do it and arnie i'm curious uh i assume that you are a fan of the bioshock game i certainly am uh do you think a that it will make a good movie do you think netflix will do a good job with it and what would you like to see in a Bioshock movie?
2: Oh wow, a lot of questions here, <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. Um, you know, I mean, when we look at, like, I think Netflix is killing it in in trying to adapt video game properties. I mean, they just launched the Cuphead show on Friday. Um, I know Witcher's basically based on the books, but uh, there's a whole ecosystem, you know, that are definitely game fans um, and attracted people to the games. Um, arcane, like they're doing a really good job, uh, at sort of being, um, maybe not faithful adaptations, um, to things, but definitely, uh, providing quality ones out there. Um, so that's why this sort of like stuck out to me, um, as far as the news was because, uh, you know, I, I think they're willing to put the dollars and the effort behind, um, trying to put something, uh, real, real good together for, uh, for the Bioshock world. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, what what I think it could be or what I'd like to see. I mean, I think I think the big thing of what I really appreciate for the Bioshock world and, and especially the first game was that there's there's layers to the narrative, there's layers of meaning. Um, and I think trying to imbue that in in the in the movie. I think that's what's really going to be interesting is to go, okay, how are we going to take these philosophical concepts, these political mm. concepts and translate it, make it timely. I mean, we've seen so many people who are taking older material and really making it of a time. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see, you know, how they're able to make sure that um, they're, they're making it um, you know, relevant to, to the world we're in.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's so true. I, I the Bioshock universe, is dense with that stuff and i hope that that is a priority in the films i hope it's not just you know a a kind of a thrill ride um you know video gamey kind of movie because it has that extra layer of of real social commentary which i think is pretty cool um i'm curious from a developer's point of view i mean i know that uh neil Druckmann was involved in the, the the creation of or the you know shepherding the uncharted movie to the screen um, but what you know from the developers that are making these games and 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 you know so much of their lives and creative input is is wrapped up in these game worlds what is that experience of having someone take your baby and translating it into, into another medium is there is there trepidation is there uh excitement what what is that like from that perspective
2: well i think it's it's always difficult uh and and again, I, I definitely have to just speak from my viewpoint on this, because I am not so close to the creation, even though I work at the studio and development. But um for from my viewpoint, I, I think it's always an interesting challenge because you you have to recognize that this is a different medium and you want whatever comes out to play to the strengths of that medium. But you also have to you also do want to be feel like it's true to what you've created. Um, and so you always run into, uh, I, I think everyone's going to run into how faithful of an adaptation are we going to do this? Are we going to follow the narrative exactly, uh, or are we going to sort of take liberties? or Are we going to be inspired by it? Um, and I, I think that's that's generally at the crux of uh, as a creator as a developer trying to balance all of those needs um, and not and not be so heavy handed in a way so that um, the the whoever it's a showrunner or the director or the writer uh, is able to um, do the work that they do to translate it into the medium that they know best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the best you can hope for, right? Is, is that they understand the, the thing that made the thing successful and they want to harness that, but then figuring out some way to add something and not just rehash. Um, So hopefully that happens with Bioshock a Christian, you know, also this week, We had uh, news that Amazon is signing a first-look deal uh, for three properties that I think are pretty interesting properties. Uh, Disco Elysium, It Takes Two, which was my personal favorite game of 2021, and Life is Strange, uh, all of which I think sound like fascinating properties to take to another medium. Uh, This is with uh, DJ2 Entertainment, um, and... It feels like, you know, between, you know, on the Uncharted movie and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 coming out and the Halo TV series and the uh, uh, Last of Us TV series. I mean, it really feels like video games are kind of having their moment that comic books had, you know, a decade or more ago, 15 years ago, um, when, you know, it transitioned from like every comic book movie is terrible to, oh my gosh, people know how to make these movies into something good now it feels like (laughs) video games are getting to that point are you how do you feel about these properties and bioshock in particular christian
1: yeah i mean dj2 i think recently especially has a really good track record of bringing properties to the screen um sonic for a long time i think was a. It, it it was the best it was the academy award winner pre-pandemic because it was the only movie that came out <laughs> you know pre-pandemic yeah. but also a very fun movie especially from how it launched of oh the look of sonic is all wrong to the film coming out and james marston i think is charming in almost everything he does um and sonic 2 looks i know jeff you don't watch trailers so i won't talk about it but looks good and so i'm excited to see a company that has a history and passion for games continuing and and building on those and these properties themselves i think disco elysium is probably the one i'm most interested in because it's such a i I don't want to say it's um blade runner because it's not but it's got that feel right like it's this well
0: it's a it's a film noir as a video game yeah
1: right and it's a a world i want to live in but i and blessed every day to not actually live in. You know, like it's a, a horrible world, but man, it's such a rich universe and everything about it, like the narrative design and ab- along with the actual story itself, every scene in that game is so rich with defining what that world is and giving that noir film um, idea. And I think seeing something like Nightmare Alley um, kind of having that aesthetic. I think um, excites me because Nightmare Alley excites me. <laughs> um, Such a good movie. Yeah, I, it's really, it's really, really fantastic. Um, and I think the thing that I'm interested in about uh, Bioshock and also for the HBO Last of Us show, which my wife, I've been rewatching Chernobyl with my wife who hasn't watched it before, just because I'm getting excited for The Last of Us uh, HBO show as well. But for that and Bioshock, I'm curious, and we can just keep it just to Bioshock because it's what's kind of announced right now. And what Arnie was saying about being faithful and what, you know, I'm very curious how Netflix and the folks making it are going to handle the twist. Because Mm. it's such a big part of the game. But it happens very late in the game. But that game's also... 20 years old at this
0: point? Well, also, it, it is, you know, it is sort of inherent to the interactivity of the game that that twist lands the way it does, right? Because, yes. I mean, I guess you could still have a movie character, you know, respond to those things. But the fact that I, as the player, did follow the instructions, you know, yes. every time it felt more impactful.
1: And I'm curious, you know, like for the, and, and The Last of Us it's not necessarily a twist and I'm not saying it, here just for folks that maybe are going to experience it in a different medium for the first time, but the end of, of, of part one of that game had such weight and people online are (laughs) jerked, you know, like, does it immediately get spoiled? You know, like, how do you no way home save that thing uh, as it goes into a new medium or do it? But it also, I think fans would be upset if Bioshock doesn't have like Jeff, if it doesn't have that twist, is that satisfying for you? Or does they need to find some way to incorporate that into an impactful way? To me, that I think is kind of the key to so much of the narrative of the first Bioshock.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it certainly was was the thing that resonated so profoundly. But I also think, you know, what Arnie said is is true, where you you want it to be faithful, but also not just retread. You want it to be additive. You want it to to build out something, have its own identity in a way as well. And I, I would hope that, you know, the, just the iconography of Bioshock is so strong, just the, the world and the, the idea of this underwater place that is, has died because, it, you know, this experiment that went wrong. And, and like I said, all the, the political commentary, I mean, political is the wrong word, but just sort of social commentary and, and what that means as far as the ideologies in play, I think is, uh would make for fascinating content a fascinating film regardless of whether it sort of does that particular magic trick you know
1: and the idea of harvesting little sisters i mean it just that like as a player you make that choice and there's a pro con and i feel like the moral questions that the narrative has up to those points um it's going to be fascinating and Man, I think there's going to be a lot of kids having big daddy nightmares <laughs> for the first yeah. time that haven't experienced the game. I'm super stoked and I think, you know, as Arnie mentioned, Netflix has a, done a really solid job of bringing a diverse portfolio of game properties to the platform. If you look at it, it's not like, oh, Netflix does the blank video game properties. It's Yeah. Uh, r- runs the gamut in a really cool way and I don't know when this movie will come out, how many years away we are from it, but um it's super exciting to see.
0: Well, Arnie, I, I have another question for you. It was it was so cool uh watching the uncharted movie in the theater and seeing that sort of Marvel Studios-esque uh play, PlayStation Studios logo come up with or logos the wrong word, but the 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 bumper at the beginning, the uh, the word I'm looking for, the stinger, uh with all of, you know, it's got Kratos and and Aloy and, you know, it's got like, it, it just feels like, oh, wow, this is a thing. You know, this isn't just a one-off movie. This is like a thing. And, and I wonder if you could speak to this notion that I brought up uh, earlier about maybe video games are kind of getting into that place of being actually quality film adaptations.
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I think... All, all of our mediums, all through history, we're all looking to inspiration from other mediums and we're trying to be inspired and we make references, and we build upon off of it. And I think, I I don't want to say that video game movies or or entertainment or adaptations have been terrible in the past because they've clearly been some fun ones. Um, but I think what, what you're seeing is, is maybe that there's been a skill that's been gained over the years about taking, how do you take, as what Christian says, how do you take this engagement that really feels like it can only come from the interactive space and then do that to an audience that's watching, that's a little bit more passive, that's not involved in choices that are being made, or the choices are taken away because it's a linear medium. That is a challenge, I think, with all linear sort of narrative mediums anyway. How do you get people invested in the characters and the story? But I think over time, that skill has been gained to go, oh, I know exactly how to take maybe an interactive medium and present it in this way and still have you fall in love with the characters or, or hate the characters, um, still have you invested. So even though if you've been following it and you see the twist happen, you're, you know the twist is going to show up, uh, that it still lands that impact. I mean, yeah. and, and, and think about it for us. Like we There's tons of movies and TV shows we re- rewatch. We know what's coming up. And it still lands, and I think that's that's really what what everyone has to um, work towards um, in in any adaptation or any sort of narrative medium. But I think crucial for adaptations. Yeah,
1: I want to get to the world where uh, we've done a complete one eighty, and it's like, oh, it's the video game tie in movie. They clearly rushed this one out, and instead of like the game <laughs> that ties in with the movie, it's the movie that ties in with the game. Like, we got to get a movie out for this. This game's so big.
2: It's going to happen. Like I I always joke, it's like think about Hairspray, which was a movie that became a musical that became a movie of the musical. Right? (laughs) We're going to come full circle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think these properties. I also think that you know, having production companies like DJ Two, where you know, it's they know video game uh, properties, and they're doing it smartly and, and making sure that these properties. Are make sense to go to to films? I like these three properties: Disco Elysium, It Takes Two, Life is Strange. All of them sound like awesome. I mean, Life is Strange basically is an episodic TV show, right? And uh, the other two are, are so cinematic in their presentation as video games. It just you just can see it immediately. And I think you know I'm I'm really excited for the the place we're getting to. You know, if we're not already there where people don't hear video game adaptation and think, oh, it's going to be bad. Um, And I think that that's, it's, it's, it's awesome as, as fans of video games and fans of these worlds and stories, seeing them in other medium is just going to be great.
1: Having not played It Takes Two, but listened to you, you know, rave about it. (laughs) I wonder if it has opportunity to do like a WandaVision style. Like every episode Mm -hmm. is a different genre almost as it tells this story because the way the game plays with genre and playability and stuff like that. It seems really uh, open to a really cool version of a a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. Uh, All right, Christian, what is your story of the week? Alluded to it. uh, The Digital Future. It's kind of sad for Nintendo. Well, not sad for Nintendo. Sad for me as a fan of Nintendo. The Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShop are shutting down next week. As someone who has gone full digital this current gen on my PS5 and series and uh Switch is probably 50-50 at this point. I'm thinking Pokemon Legends is a cart. Um that, Just to be clear, they're not shutting down next week. Next year. Did I say next week?
0: You said next week. Yeah. March That's what twenty twenty three. Like, yeah, feels <laughs> it does like feel that we're gonna blink and it'll be here. But yes, you're right.
1: Yes, thank you for that. Um, and the payment, their ability to accept payment, I think shuts down even a little before that. And I, I think it's an important story because of where we're living in media right now. I think we've talked about it on this show before about like the idea of ownership of media is kind of potentially a very small window over the other small window of length of media existing, like the idea that you can own the Mary Tyler Moore show. It used to just be something that came on at 8 PM. And if you missed it, you never saw it again or yeah. a movie. You could hopefully they would bring back, you know, the movie would be in theaters again at the discount theater or something like that. Or you maybe you'd be on TV, but you wouldn't own the VHS until what Batman 89, I think was the first popularized home owned VHS. Um, and now this, idea of not only are some Nintendo games not going to be available digitally, but also some exclusive only released on eShop games for the Wii U and 3DS uh will will be gone. Um legally purchasably gone. Uh yeah evidently I think according it's to,
0: according to the website VGC, uh they estimate um nearly a thousand digital only games that were released on Wii U or 3DS just will not be available. They just, you cannot get nearly a thousand games. Now, these are not probably a lot of games you would be able to come up with off the top of your head, unless you're a super fan. Uh, there are some, you know, there's a Dr. Luigi in there and, uh, you know, the, uh, Pokemon Rumble U, uh, there's, uh, Mario, uh, Mario and Donkey Kong Minis on the move. So there's, you know, Pokemon Picross. There's a few in there that I think, you know, just a Doctor Mario Miracle Cure, uh, Chibi Robo, Let's Go Photo. These are not, uh, you know, AAA top tier games uh, that are just going to cease to be available. But that doesn't mean that there won't be lots of games that will cease to be available. And this is the future that we live in now. Um,
1: and on that and same it, line, to bring it back to the other media, like di- the Marvel Netflix shows are going away and it's not sure. We don't know yet if Disney's right. going to get those later, but like you go to view Daredevil now and it's gone. You can't buy the DVD of that uh, firsthand. They did release it back when. Um, but I think it's fascinating from a media studies perspective of, you know, do. I, I mean, I guess, Arnie, like, do you think you should always be able to purchase everything forever? Or is it okay to let some things be long form improv <laughs> <They exist. laughs> they exist well, only I, in that moment?
2: I, I was thinking about it before we're coming into the show and just listening to you talk. And I, I think we, all media sort of has a lifespan in a way, uh, you know, vhs tapes and i'm not talking about like the format itself but like they're going to degrade and they're going to disappear and you think mm-hmm. about like retro games and there's cartridges start to cost a lot of money because there's less and less of them that are working or still around i i think what you're seeing is the same thing but it's accelerating because running a digital storefront costs money and there's all these other concerns that you might need to weigh but uh yeah you know, I'm not trying to be a, a defender of it, but I, I just see like this is just a natural step in what we see already um, with it and I could I could see that happening. I mean it'd it always be great I, I think the big thing is it's like we see all these folks who are doing this great job and sort of creating digital archives and I think that's you know being able to preserve our history uh, because again, all of these games, all of these things like we built on upon it it's like how to how can we continue to preserve these um, and I think games ends up being much harder because or you know even computer programs because it's you're beholden to a particular platform or an os you can't just take a movie print and digitize it and have this digital format that might exist for whatever the next format is to to archive it Um, yeah
0: well i I have i I have two anecdotal kind of uh (laughs) relations to this to this story the first is i just recently moved as listeners to the show know And part of the moving process was moving all of my physical media, (laughs) and I I just because I'm lazy, they've been sitting in a box. uh, You know, all my old uh, Xbox 360 and PS2, PS3.
1: All all your Wii U though, not your Wii U, not my Wii U. I'll (laughs) I'll get to that in a
0: second. But uh, they they were all uh, in a box, and uh, just you know, this last week, my family was coming into town. And my wife was like, well, let's get this house, you know, and it, looking nice for the family to come into town. <laughs> and uh, so that meant, you know, these ugly boxes in the corner had to be uh, dealt with. So I finally put all of these uh, these boxes, you know, these DVD cases uh, in into the shelving unit that I had them in, in the previous house. Um, and in doing that, it, you know, I kind of retook inventory of all this stuff. And it is crazy to me that, there's this, like, compendium of stuff, of of games uh, of a certain era. And then it literally just stops. It just stops. Because everything I got after a certain point, I got downloaded only. Mm. I just stopped getting physical media. And so there's this, like, cliff after which there's, like, three – uh you know uh uh xbox one co- games and like I mean, a few ps4 games but it's just it's just everything switched to digital for me i just that's how i got everything and so i have this huge library of wii and ps3 and xbox 360 games so and and I, you know it it occurs to me that this is the kind of thing so that's the so that's the second part of the story is that my five-year-old who's obsessed with Mario and all things Mario, I brought this up a little last week, uh, asked me to pull out the Wii U and set it up. And reading this news story was interesting because I had this moment where we, you know, logged onto the Wii U uh, digital store and I was shocked that it was still available. You know, I was like, oh, wow, you you can actually still get stuff on this. You know, I had no idea. Uh, But now it's not being, uh, you know, it made me sad (laughs) Now that it's going to go away because now my son's like actually playing the Wii U, the Wii U, by the way, getting more use in my house than it had in the entire existence of my ownership of it. Um, because he's like all about the Wii U now. Uh, but you know, but it also makes me sad because that moment of rediscovering this old piece of hardware to my son, who's five, he doesn't view it as old. He doesn't view Mm -hmm. it as dated. He doesn't view it as less than he, you know, it to him it is it no different from the switch or whatever. It's just it's just another way to play the games, and there is something that is lost when it's like oh these systems are outdated they're shut off. There is no moment of rediscovery possible for some of this, and and so that does make me a bit sad.
2: But I, but I, you are at least in in your case like you they said you are able to re-download media you already own. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is which is the good news. So yeah. it I, I think this is more saying, hey, if you happen to pick up a Wii U years later and you gift it to someone because it is something affordable and in that degree or you end up buying it secondhand, is that's where you can't build the library from from the right. digital store. But at yeah. least you're able to download what you've owned in case you have to, I don't know, switch consoles or yeah. Until you aren't, I guess,
0: right? Yeah. Until you aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, but yeah.
1: we've talked about, and I don't want to go deep on on blockchain or NFTs here, but we've talked about them, and I haven't necessarily always been high on them in general, and also how they are currently seem to be used. But I do wonder if part of this, too, is the idea that the shop's shutting down, but also, Jeff, I can't sell you My Pokemon P-Cross software, right? Because like people don't necessarily get upset that like, oh yeah, Nintendo did it again. They stopped making Super Mario Brother three carts for the NES. They shut that game down. Like at some point, that shop air quote right that that thing goes away. Up yeah, (laughs) Naughty Dog did it again. Uncharted one on PS three can't buy it anymore. Annoying. Like no more new carts being like but they still exist. Like I can go to uh, GameSpot or GameStop. Golly, I'll always get that wrong. (laughs) GameStop and get a secondhand copy or trade with a friend or something like that. But for these digital only games, that secondhand resale reselling of them doesn't exist. So I feel like that kind of amplifies the disappearance, right? In a way that is different for physical media, but as more and more media never exists physically, um, I think we I think we need to solve for it. And I and I wonder if maybe to some extent a, a blockchain future could make sense there in terms of ownership of media. But then we need to decouple that. I'm already spending too long on this, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but then we need to decouple that Christian from
0: and like crypto NFT theories <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. But we need to decouple that then from owning, right? Because like Netflix. I never owned that show to begin with. They're like Game Pass. I never owned that game to be. So then there's that whole digital ownership thing. But anyway, back to the core of it. I think there is a difference of a digital game that you can't resell versus something like an old NES cart um, that will exist forever as long as someone has one. Yeah. Well, it's interesting point. I think I did. Yeah,
0: I don't (laughs) don't know. I think you kind of lost your thread there at some point. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Um, It is interesting to me how quickly we got used to just the the flux of Netflix content you know i feel like there's a web, there's websites that every month are like here's all the stuff that's leaving netflix you know and we just we just kind of took it in stride you know that's just part of part of it it's uh it's it's interesting this this digital medium future where you know i think there maybe it's not the next generation of consoles well, Maybe same it's with the generation game after that but there's going to be a generation of consoles where it's it's literally just all n- none of it's physically uh you know purchasable it's just all digital and i think at that point you know it it is going to be will be at the whim of these deals and and you know when something is available when it isn't will be completely out of our control
1: i think game pass already does that too and same with playstation now it's like play god of war now before you know, it leaves the service, play all the, the same thing with Netflix. You see those lists of game pass games, play them now before they're gone. I think control just left recently. Um,
0: but the question, I think the, the way it will be like video game or uh, the fear of video games is when it's not just like Netflix lost the right to play somebody else's content that you can purchase or view on another service. It's when Netflix goes, like you're talking about with the Marvel shows. It's like when Netflix goes, Hey, this original content that you can only watch here, we no longer carry. And at that point, it's like, Well, oh, that you just can't watch it? And I think that's what what it's gonna be like, you know? Anyway, sad about the Wii U because all of a sudden the Wii U is a big part of my <laughs> life again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we have activity from a Wii U eShop in Denver. Uh Greg, what should we do about this? Shut it down. <laughs> He's downloading Shut everything. Down. <laughs> What's he doing? Yeah. Um uh, uh so interesting
0: this week. You know, some folks listen to the show to get their weekly video game news, and I think this is interesting updates on very high-profile games. There were a number of games that we got updates on uh this week. Uh, one of them was from our guest last last week, Jeff Grubb, on our show, decided not to break this news here, but on his own show, Grub Snacks, which unforgivable, frankly. <laughs> but also a good, good show. a good. It show. is a very good show. It is a very good show. Uh, on Grub Snacks, uh, our friend Jeff Grubb uh, mentioned that he had gotten some information that Dragon Age Four is is hitting all of its milestones and on track to release in about 18 months pretty cool. Uh, That's a game that was um, announced, con- confirmed, officially announced in 2017, but ev- uh, evidently was in development since 2015. So uh, very, very cool that we might be able to play that uh, in a year and a half. Uh, Ubisoft, which has been going back and forth on whether Skull and Bones is still a game <laughs> or not, uh, said in its uh, fiscal call that uh, the development is going well on Skull and Bones. In fact, the quote was uh, they were very happy with the artistic direction and progress of the game. So it sounds like Skull and Bones is still happening. We don't have any expectation of when that game will come out, but um, you know, some people thought that it may have been vaporware and, and just never see the light of day. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the game in the longest in development, Dead Island 2, which was first announced back in 2014 uh, evidently uh, has been confirmed as still in development by Deep Silver's parent company, Embracer Group. And uh, they said it will uh, be released some point in the company's next fiscal year, which begins in March 2023. So three long-awaited games, very high-profile games uh, that uh, sound like they're still happening, which is interesting news. But I think. For me, since we have vice president at a company who every game they release is very anticipated and very high profile, I would love to get your opinion, Arnie, on you know th- this notion of when to announce a game exists, when to confirm a game exists. How do you play that balancing act of Uh, these kinds of games that seem to fall into limbo and, and takes uh, much longer than they anticipate. Not that Naughty Dog has ever delayed anything.
1: How do you (laughs) announce a game on our show right now? Like that's what I'm wondering.
0: (laughs) Were you trying to cue me up here? Yeah. Don't be a Jeff Grubb. Take the opportunity (laughs) right here, right now. World (laughs)
2: exclusive. (laughs) I mean, I think you you end up seeing a lot of different factors that play into it because I, I just want to point out recently, right? You had um, Respawn EA announce all of these Star Wars titles. You had Blizzard announce their survival horror yeah. game uh, because ostensibly we think it's because we they need to hire. And how do you hire for a game that people might not know about? Or how do you hire for people who might be interested in a certain type of game unless they know it exists and sort of you create the attractivity of that? Um, but you know, in maybe more normal circumstances, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to weigh, is this game going to leak? Do we want to make sure that we're in front of that, that we're the ones that are announcing it rather than have it trickle out or have someone's LinkedIn, um, get updated, which totally happens by accident all the time. And it's like, you really want to keep things under wraps, but at some point you, you kind of just want to, uh, make sure that you own that. Um, before it gets out by accident, And that's usually, I, I think for a lot of people, that's usually what it drives, what drives that. But I think we're seeing a complete change in that where, uh, marketing promotional campaigns are being compressed big time. You're seeing three to six month campaigns instead of 18 month campaigns, but you're also seeing games that, you know, obviously had been announced a long time ago and, and are in development, uh, for, for quite some time with the amount of time that it, that it takes to get it to come out. Um. So I think it's a lot of it's just like you're trying to balance a lot of these these different things. Um, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future now that uh, clearly announcing a, a title in development publicly, yeah, you're sure you get news, but it helps you get hired, that we might see a lot of that more often. Mm. Um, but by contrast, I, I think about it and you think of uh, Hollywood, you think of films and TV shows, and you can't hide any of that. You can't hide that it's in production right. and they don't worry about it. Uh, you say yeah. You know we're working on this. You're going to see all of this news, and uh, it can take a while for it to come out. Um, and you were just along on the ride with it too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I I've never really thought about that connection before. Of just like, yeah, everybody knows. You know, that you can look in Variety and just see everything that's in production, and people are getting cast and hired and all that stuff. Um, and there There's are
1: some secrecy they try, right? Like, kind yeah. of the show, Dan, his movie per his twitter you know it it came out in a way that he did not want that movie not that he didn't want i don't overstate it but it was like released before they were able to get ahead of it i think variety had an exclusive and it was like 20 uh cloverfield lane director working on next and it was like oh this is out now and like they do like you drive around uh la and it's like uh you know you see the little signs for production and it's like mountain men and that's not They're not making a a mountain men movie. My favorite kind of inside biz is like, if whenever you walk by production, like, Oh, what are you guys making a mayonnaise commercial? It's like always a mayonnaise commercial. You know, (laughs) (laughs) The last time you ever saw a mayonnaise commercial. (laughs) That's the bit, right? Something uninteresting, but you're just like, what weird. Okay. And you kind of keep moving on. Um, But yeah, casting news does leak out, but then it's, there are a few folks or a few productions that try to hide the ball where it's so-and-so cast and new movie by blah, blah. And it's ends up being something else, but it's hard. It's increasingly hard. Cause I think even if people don't accidentally leak it with their own portfolio, it's, if you don't do the announcement, like respond, Hey, we're building this team can work for us. Kind of thing. You see people combing through companies hire. It's like, Oh, um, whatever. Bungie's hiring a single player narrative. It's like, Ooh, Bungie must be yeah. making a, you know, whatever. And it's, I, well, I don't envy the calm side of things. We, you know, we are yeah,
0: on this podcast. We are in uh, big fans, uh, vocal fans of the uh, the sort of Beyonce drop style. Like, here's the game we're announcing it, and it's going to be out in six months. You know, um, we love that. But I, I can only imagine that that approach must be in tension with working on something and not being able to tell anybody about it. I'm, I'm sure that that's just got to be kind of a rough part of if you're working on something, you love it, you're excited about it. You probably want people to know about it and be excited about it too. Is that accurate, Arnie?
2: There's a part of it. I I keep thinking, you know, when a lot of, a lot of what drove us talking about some of our games early, it's just that sense of relief that we don't have to hide it anymore. And at least we could be excited about it. You know, even if it's vaguely or, you know, eventually ramp up to something, um, maybe there's a little bit of uh, expectation that we have to deal with in terms of, hey, when's the trailer going to drop or when's news going to come out? And then there's that other bit of stress. But I have to say that there's so much relief with not being able to worry about if it's going to leak and not worry about uh, what you're going to say or coming onto a podcast and and not saying anything <laughs> or not alluding to anything that someone might uh, might come up with. I think he
0: just confirmed something christian
1: <laughs> I think I think that was we need to have Danish on the show more often also that was a <laughs> <laughs> all right,
0: uh, let's get to the games that we have been playing, but first, I want to thank our sponsor indeed talking about hiring. hey, what a perfect segue into our sponsor. uh, do you have ambitious hiring goals? No sweat because you're not waiting for the right candidates to find you. You're finding them first with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Pretty amazing. So check it out. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com DLC. The offer is valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash DLC to claim your $75 credit before march 31st. indeed.com/dlc terms and conditions apply. need to hire? you need indeed. Ooh, what you playing Ooh, what you playing All right. Let us get into our playlist. I know there is a rather large game that came out this week. Uh, I played it a little early, talked about it a little uh, last week, but Arnie, I'm so excited that you have also been playing Horizon Forbidden West. What do you think of it?
2: I I was sold. I mean, I I love Horizon Zero Dawn, and I've been waiting for this as as expectantly as you can be. And um, I've I've like the world is so beautiful. Like I think ha- like coming from a studio where people think that you're pushing tech and uh, you create really. Realistic environments and, vi- and animation and everything to come into uh, someone else who's really killing it. Like they've just pushed everything forward. The water tech looks so great. Yeah, it looks so beautiful. Like this really feels like, hey, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn was a warm up for you to really flex what you can do in terms of tech and hardware uh, now that you're on the PS5. But by all means, from the videos I've seen, it looks stunning on PS4 too, which is mind-blowing just that they're able to pull (laughs) that kind of thing off. Um, Yeah, But yeah, I'm so glad to jump back into this world.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it is, you're so right about how how beautiful a game it is. Um, Do you, one of the things we talked a lot about last week when I was talking about the game is uh, this notion of, does it feel like more of the same or does it feel like a, you know, a real additive, uh, evolution of the formula? Uh, what, what is your take on that question with this game?
2: I, I definitely feels for me, it feels that it's additive to, to where they started from. This yeah. feels, uh, this feels definitely like a sequel. It feels like they've taken all of the learnings from Zero Dawn and gone, how can we refine it? How we can, how can we build upon it and still have that familiar feel? Like it felt real easy to jump back in and, and have those skills of how to do combat or understand what I have to do to craft or do upgrades. Uh, but then just having these added game mechanics or added, um, you know, different types of ammo, uh, it, it just feels like, yeah, it's this big iterative step forward for me uh, yeah. that they're able to pull off.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things I love so much about the game is how everything seems to feed into everything else and nothing. I mean, other than maybe not even that I was going to say, other than maybe the sort of uh, the turn-based mini game that's inside it, but even that is is integrated into the larger world because you're finding figurines in, in the larger world. So everything seems to be built on the back of that crafting economy and and all of the all of the stuff that you're doing, just it—it it all feels valuable. It all feels worthwhile. And there's so much of it. There's so much to do. It is a massive game, uh. With where everything feels fun to me. I, I just, I just think that they knocked it out of the park. Like you said, it's so good. Christian, have you had a chance to play Horizon Forbidden West yet?
1: I have not quite as much as I would have otherwise liked because life and family. Um, yeah. but. What I want to talk about, well, one, I'll, I'll echo what you said last week, Jeff, and, and what I've been able to play so far and what Jeff Grubb said and what Arnie's saying now. Like, I think Jeff Grubb might have called it like an Uncharted to an Uncharted 2 moment, and I kind of question whether it was Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed 2 moment. And for where I am in the game, few, several hours, a few hours, whatever, not deep by any stretch of the imagination, but it does feel like... It, it doesn't feel Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed two, where they kind of rewrote the playbook, but it, it seems like it's, this was this game, the first game. And now we're going to just keep layering things on top of it, but in a way that remembers what we did before. And in a way that you feel like you can pick it up and play again. And there's some residual muscle memory there with the character, but also is inclusive of new players, where I felt that Frozen Wilds was not necessarily as welcoming. The DLC for Zero Dawn was not necessarily as welcoming for new players where I jumped back into that. I think the day it came out, but it was months after I had finished the main game. And I was like, this is hard. I don't don't know what I'm doing. And Forbidden West, I think quickly, but generously brings you in into the world. And what I want to talk about Uh, specifically this week on this show and something I don't think we hit on much last week with it uh, are the game's accessibility um, features because I think with last of us part two and then Microsoft with their um, adaptive controller, I love seeing these things in games more and more and seeing it at the outset, the beginning of the game with forbidden West there were some options in there that I think are great for uh, the inclusivity of gaming and and bringing more people into the fold and making sure that everyone can play or more people can play. And also specifically what I want to talk about is gyro aiming because I love it. It's in Fortnite again now with an update if your controller supports it. So everywhere, but just Xbox um, also with flick stick and gyro aiming and then horizon bringing gyro aiming, you know, back and having it be there from the beginning is is absolutely phenomenal and i think a real um difference maker in terms of how the game plays and feels and so i just wanted to applaud um gorilla for kind of bringing all of that stuff into the game and um hopefully letting new players experience aloy's world as well explain how that works gyro aiming Sure. So gyro aiming, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. Um, and right now, the default when you turn it on, the default in Horizon Forbidden West is that it's kind of a finesse. So when you go into aim, left trigger to aim, and the aiming reticle comes up, you still can use right stick. I'm using default control scheme here, right stick to, you know, bring your, uh, cursor over where you want it to be. And then you tilt and turn your controller to kind of line up that, get that headshot, right? Like you use the right stick to get it onto the body. And then just a subtle little tilt of your actual controller, your dual sense controller gives you that precision. It's a lot like using a mouse. And so the, uh, update that was, uh, in Fortnite's last patch, um, also shout out to Chloe, who I got a uh, victory Royale with. Nate, you suck. Let me rephrase: <laughs> I suck when I play. I suck when I play as Nate in uh, Fortnite. Um, in Fortnite, it is the options are kind of through the roof with how dialed in you want it to be. Where with Flick Stick, it basically turns your right stick into a quick look, quick tap Mm -hmm. turn around behind you like the resident evil 4 you know full 180 so if you hit the stick backwards your character will do a full 180 then if you stay on the stick you have the finesse of the control to move around but almost all of your aiming your right stick is done by using your controller and so with a dual sense or a dual shock 4 or um, a switch pro controller i've watched videos of, of folks that are more experienced with that control scheme than I am. And it is, it seems to be as precise as a mouse. Like you have that fidelity level of control. And it's something that I feel like Nintendo did, you know, waggle like way back when, kind of pointing. We didn't love it then. And then uh, Splatoon had it still, Splatoon 2, but it, people were kind of iffy on it because you didn't have full control. You couldn't do X access. I forget. Splatoon 2. Oh gosh. I think it's x axis it's only y one or the other someone's yelling at me right now but now people are and before as well uh are diving into this i think kind of forgotten tech and to bring it back to horizon forbidden west to have it be there at the beginning as one of these features that you know you can opt into i think it's really additive and for folks also in terms of the accessibility nature of it it in my opinion allows more people to play who might not otherwise have the ability to, um, dual stick the same way that is required for, you know, the high level of play that games like horizon forbidden West can require. And when it feels good as you get used to it, I think it feels really, cause you're not, you know, you're not a nineties video game commercial kid, (laughs) you know, playing the game. It's just subtle movements of the controller can line up headshots and it's awesome.
0: It's cool. I never tried it. I gotta, I
1: gotta give that a shot. And I, and I'm
0: excited for you to play more of the game Christian because I can't wait to talk more spoilery about the story because it does it really has some cool surprises and yeah. uh, some awesome uh set pieces that just blew my mind. So I mean it's it's truly amazing but I want to ask you Arnie I don't know if you uh got to play the game pre-release. I forgot to ask Jeff about this last week. But I th- I'm it seems that they have patched this out with the uh the day one patch. But for a while when i was playing it pre-release i think i don't know if i got a bug or if there was a general bug cuz i didn't hear anybody else mention this but there was something weird going on with with all of the eyes of all the characters because you have these incredibly photorealistic characters i mean every npc in the game looks like a human being with makeup on and costumes you know it's it is an amazing level of near photorealism with the with the human characters but they had this weird thing where aloy's eyes kept like rolling back in her head and all the all the (laughs) characters she talked to sometimes their (laughs) their eyes would just go uh, crazy from the left to right but not not in a not in a um you know not in a cartoonish way not in a like clearly that's a bug but like almost it could have been
1: intentional
0: but it's a little too much and it really bugged me for the longest time, and I think they they patched it out. I don't know. If, did you have any of that experience, Arnie?
2: I if there was a patch, I probably came on right after it because oh, I did not okay. get a chance to play it as early as you. Uh, because, as Christian said, life life got in the way a little bit last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I get that. I, I man, I forgot to ask Jeff about it. I was just curious if it was just me or, or everybody because it was such a funny thing is you have this incredibly beautiful game and all the characters look like they're rolling their eyes at each other like (laughs) you know everything every time she says anything she's like oh yeah that's fine anyway (laughs) that's horizon forbidden west see that's why so many folks decided
1: to join our patreon because of insightful commentary like that. Well, maybe you didn't turn on motion control, but maybe gyro aiming. But maybe you turned on like sarcasm filter. Yeah, so it yeah. Was like gyro, well, we need to go west. Gyros-
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need to go west. Oh, it's so forbidden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, Arnie, you got, you got a lot of other stuff on your playlist. What do you want to go next?
2: Uh well I will uh, let's talk about Ali Ali World because I would have not picked it up if it wasn't for both Christian talking about it and someone at work um, one of my coworkers Rochelle also talking about um, just Ali Ali in general I probably would have never picked it up otherwise and I am absolutely in love with every single thing that Real Seven did with this game um, the a little a little background it was actually Tony Hawk's Pro Skater that brought me back into the gaming I started to lapse a little bit uh, at the end of the N64 PS1 era. Um, and I was off skiing with my parents, it had rained, so there was no skiing or snowboarding to be done. And some kids had a PS1, we we're playing Tony Hawk pro skater. And I was like, Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> Obviously everyone knows, right? Like Tony Hawk's pro skater is great game, but, um, just skateboarding games have, have been like a big thing for me. Um, I was all super excited and super into skate when it came out. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, Get click into Ali Ali or Ali Ali when it came out. Uh, but yeah, hearing hearing those two recommendations, uh, I, I'm sold. Like, I, I play it all the time. I double dipped on it. I have it on my PlayStation. I have it on my Switch. I play it more on my Switch more than anything else. Um, and I suck at manuals, uh, which is really <laughs> unfortunate, but I like the art style is so good. Like, all, like, all the, like not I' don't, they're not puns, but you know, like nirvana and like all of these things like it's so wholesome in a way <laughs> um there was a there's a comment early on, i think in um I don't even remember what the the islands are called, but the um the tree one, the forest one where you know there was a joke about late stage capitalism and consumption and how something's sustainable and it's like, oh, this is like so smart in such an amusing way, it's so great
0: yeah yeah it's it's so charming i so as somebody who loves 3D skateboarding <laughs> games, what's your take on 3D versus a 2D skateboarding game like Ali Alley World?
2: I, you know, I never really even thought about it that differently because this has all like there is depth to their worlds, even if you can't go around and you're already hooked into the exact same stuff, which is how can I put together the best line possible? How can I string these tricks together? And so you're not even thinking about it in that way for me. Um, and I think that got blown open once I started watching replays of these guys, these people who have like million point runs and I'm just (laughs) like, I can't even do this. But I think that's what broke open. It was like, oh, there's just so much here, even in this plane, the, the mechanics, the desire that you want to do is exactly the same, that it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference for me. But again, it's like their art style, the worlds are so rich, the, uh, the different environments, um, and what they bring to the table are so rich that, uh, you're just totally immersed in that.
0: Yeah. It really is a high skill cap game. I mean, it's, I am rubbish at Ali Ali world <laughs> rubbish, but uh, even, but I still have fun. Right. And and it even just like bumbling my way through a level uh, I still have a, a really good time. And you're right. All of those little feedback bits, you know, the, the, the sounds, the, the animations, the art style, all of it just feels very satisfying. And and very zen in, in what could be a very frustrating game, a game w- w- that is built around doing something over and over and over until you get it right. You know, I, I was never a guy who played the uh, trials games, the motorcycle games, or or any of those games where it's like, just keep doing it until you can get it. Uh, but for some reason, Ollie Ollie World, like all of the aesthetic choices, all of the the way the game is presented, just relieves that, anxiety and that, that tension for me. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I I think some of it's the humor in there though,
2: right? It's, it's the humor and, and the little bit of narrative that they have in there where it doesn't matter how frustrating it is because, or how much you've beaten your head against the wall because you keep, I mean, in my case, you keep hitting X to restart the level when you're on a really good run, but it's got that great balance with, uh, with how difficult it is because you're, you know, you're going into customization. You've got all of these other aspects that are just also immensely satisfying.
0: I, are you playing it with a pro controller on the Switch? I feel like on the regular Switch uh, joy, uh, Joy-Cons, you'd probably kill your hands.
2: Uh, No, I'm playing it on the joy cons because that's, Mm -hmm. that's the whole reason why I double dipped is like, this is my, you know, I'm doing it for half an hour before bed, or I'm sitting at having breakfast and I want to pick this up. So it's that not really travel, but traveling within my house.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Travel from the kitchen to the, yeah, gotcha uh i i i worry about your fingers but i uh, understand um speaking of games that are challenging uh you also have been playing sifu
2: i have been um i suck at that game (laughs) (laughs) in counterpoint to how how i feel it doesn't matter at all around the world i suck at that game um i i always age up so quick but it's, I, I love what they're trying to do there. Yeah. Um, Slow clap did a great job sort of creating this world too and, and sort of the feel of it. But I am no good at these combo melee games in general, like fighting games, right? But this is a little bit more evolved. It, it's a, yeah, I just suck.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not much better. Uh, it's it's funny how I get into these things where I'm like, I'm going well, I'm going well, I'm going well. And then I'll like age 30 years in in one short span. And I'm like, oh, no! yeah, that's <laughs> rough. Uh, I remember
2: my first run I think I was like past 50 By the time I
0: made it past Stash And I was like I'm never going to get anywhere in this game (laughs) Yeah yeah. Christian you gave Sifu a try Recently didn't you
1: No I was texting you about it Lamenting that it's not a Game Pass game Which I texted you saying like I hate saying this But like I wish I wish it was because I want to play it But it's also in the month of too many games Where I was already playing Other you know games that I got (laughs) There it is.
0: Sometimes it's slow, you know,
1: that I got early and was like, well, I'm going to play these so I can talk about them on embargo, blah, blah, blah. I'm very excited about Sifu again now because they've mentioned that they're going to put an easy mode in and I am very excited to play on that easy mode. I am not too proud. I think it looks beautiful. I want to get in there and, and, and bash some guys around. Um, but what kept me from it is that kind of rogues type, you know, idea that there are very few games in that genre that have really really clicked with me um so i worry about you know my controllers
0: <laughs> yeah but you love i mean you love those old brawlers you know you love I do. i know i know it's, and it has that dna in it man it, it feels like those old games double dragon I, and all that you know
1: I, I will get to it. I just haven't yet to Arnie's point about Ali ali world though. I in muscle memory and controllers, there are parts where I'm trying to pull off something very specific in Ali ali world and my muscle memory of this is where I mess up. So I push X to restart keeps happening. And then I pull the thing off and immediately just hit X. And I'm like, Oh, oh! <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you, yeah. You, uh, you praise that quick restart until you curse it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> they need the, You just landed this, bro. Are you sure? Like a little yeah, 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 you're doing
0: great right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh all right, what else is on your playlist, Ernie? Uh
2: so I've been playing a lot of like bite-sized moments of um a lot of games that are very much like deck building or roguelite type games. Um and I was thinking about it, it seems like my my play style these days. And I think, you know, we think about as we grow up and like how differently you're playing games. And I think that was one of the questions um for parting gift that I saw on Patreon was, you know, what how your gaming habits change? And for me, I think it's like I go real deep in one game. Usually that's on console on a TV. And I end up picking up these other games. So I've been rotating through and Ali Ali World's one of them. But on top of that, I've been rotating through Dicey Dungeons and Grifflands and uh, the original Darkest Dungeon, all mm. of which have a lot of very similar type feels. Uh, two of them are very much deck building games. Another one's sort of like a, a roguelike type game. Um, and they're great. Like I love playing them for half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour at a time and just being able to put that away and and um, and then come back to them whenever I feel like it later on.
0: I haven't tried Dicey Dungeons yet, but man, I love Griftlands. I think that game is so clever and does such really cool stuff with, with how it kind of uses deck building to accomplish things that isn't just combat. Uh, I think it's, it's really, really cool. Darkest Dungeon, I had a fling with, uh, but man, that game is just too brute. It just too, it feels <laughs> unfair at a certain point. It's just like, it messed, it's messed up, I think.
2: I, I felt that way when I first started playing it and I totally bounced off of it for, I, I don't know, probably a couple months and then came back. And then I I think it's the same thing that you run into with the Soulsborne games where you take it really seriously and every single death or every single sort of missed thing, it, it feels like it has this big impact on you. But if you can get past and you can let go and you're like, you know what? It doesn't matter because it doesn't. I'm just going to have fun with it i that's what happened with darkest dungeon It's just like i'm not gonna worry too much about everyone dying or the fact that I've run out of money or I'll just <laughs> restart the game because the dungeons are all different uh layouts anyway, yeah, and I'll just come back uh and try it, and that's where I
0: ended up like really getting sold into um playing that playing that game all the way through. I gotta get um, into this end of that because I, I I would I would I would like, feel like I'm doing so good and then be like nope one of your dudes is insane and wants to attack me. <laughs> yeah. teammates and I'm like just, that's just not fair. Just, <laughs> it's just unarbitrary anyway. But yes, uh, you great want dungeons games,
1: with like a few lanterns, like yeah, not the darkest dungeons. dungeons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, give
0: me a darker dungeon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I haven't even tried that. I mean, I, I don't even know if. You even tried that. But that there's one of those where depending on how um like you you get all those extra stats if you don't light the torch. Yeah. So if you are exploring the in the darkest version of the dungeon, <laughs> um and everyone's going super insane. Yeah. But I again I it's like that thing where we, we think about um Grifflands or dicey dungeons where it's, there's a deck building element. What I love about all these games is that how they're layering all these mechanics on top of each other. And, and darkest dungeon was one of the first ones I think that really caught me that way. Cause it's like, oh, it's, it's a little bit of this, uh, Lovecraftian horror, but it actually has a psychological effect on your characters and, and the light and everything. It's like, that's another balance thing I've got to work out on top of their skills, on top of keeping them alive. Uh, that type of stuff's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I I totally respect those games and and they're going for something really cool and interesting. uh I'm just not you know I don't have the constitution to handle it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh awesome. Well, that is uh Arnie's playlist. Christian Spicer. Let's take a look at your playlist. but first, I want to take a look at our sponsor mailgun mailgun is how modern companies work with email. The platform's ease of use, world-class support, and powerful APIs empower smart development teams to reach real customers at scale with a data-driven approach so their organization can grow faster. Send and track your transactional and marketing messages effortlessly. Prevent fake signups and remove invalid email addresses from your list quickly. Partner with email experts to improve your email deliverability and drive higher conversion rates. Today, Mailgun helps hundreds of thousands of companies and leading brands around the world provide connected experiences and drive smart results. Mailgun empowers companies around the world to solve complex communication problems through its powerful email API and intuitive email marketing solutions. Mailgun controls the entire email lifecycle from the pre-deployment through Development of over 240 billion emails a year for companies like DHL, Wikipedia, Toast, Lyft, and Microsoft. Our send time optimization capability automatically finds the ideal send time for each and every individual on your list at the time that they are most likely to engage. It's never been easier to build connected experiences. Start sending with Mailgun today. Visit mailgun.com to learn more. That's M-A-I-L-G-U-N, dot com to learn more christian what is on your playlist
1: well in addition to horizon forbidden west i took part in the show mlb the show 2022 they uh, are running ran a tech test because as mind-blowing as it was last year yeah last year to play the show on my Xbox via game pass day and date this year, the show 2022 is also coming to switch. So when they announced a free tech test to play on any of the consoles, I was like, I gotta see what this game looks like on switch. Like that is a hundred percent how I'm going to play this game because not only is it coming to switch, it also has uh cross progression and cross play, which I think is awesome. Like, I Arnie, I'm glad you talked about Ali World on Switch, and I, I'm glad that it runs well on Switch because as an OG Ali Ali Vita player, I also uh, I got a code for PC, but I also bought it on Switch because that's kind of how I'm used to. Like Jeff, the Joy Cons are bad. Uh, Arnie, don't comment here. Um, the Vita <laughs> analog nubs not great. <laughs> They're also very little, um, but no cross progression, so I'm kind of playing two. Different versions of Ali Ali World, which is fine. I love the game; it doesn't bother me. Um, but for a game like MLB The Show, which is unlocking and packs and uh, what do they call their not franchise? Golly, doesn't matter. I'm not going to gloss over it till I play the real game. But all of the modes in it, if I'm going to be investing those kinds of hours in this game, I want to make sure that it carries over. But now that it can carry over, and I can take it handheld mode and grind stuff out in bed, uh, Diamond Dynasty. There we go. Thanks, brain. Um, and I can do that in bed for a little bit or play a friend online for a little bit. It's very, very exciting. Um, so I say all that to say all the positive. On Switch, which I'm going to show a little gameplay here on, on the stream, They Nintendo showed what Switch gameplay looks like. In this video, It has that has to be docked mode. Cause in handheld mode, it's a switch game, right? Like that's, that's the problem. I love that it's out. So I'm not knocking like the, the fact that it's a switch game, but when I'm used to playing it on my, 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 my big boy consoles and I'm used to what that looks like to then play it on switch handheld mode, I was like, Oh am I a graphics snob? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the whole game's here. I mean, not in the tech test, it wasn't, but like the whole, I can do all the things and everything I love about this franchise is here and it exists and I can keep doing this and I can take it with me on the road and then have my safe carry over to this other thing. And the whole time I was just like, mm, that's not what oral Hershiser looks like. That's, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it doesn't that's pass the Hershiser test.
1: <laughs> it did not. It did not. That was my <laughs> diamond card too. It did not pass the Hershiser test. Um, and then the other, not the other knit I have with it so far, and I hope it gets ironed out because this was just a tech test. Uh, I'm by no means a MLB, the show all-star, right? Like I think the last before last year's, the last one I put any serious time in was the Ken Griffey was the, the uh, more cover expensive. Athlete. Yeah. Like the more, like the cover athlete, he had the backwards hat. Awesome cover. I had to do that because Ken Griffey Jr is awesome. And I put a lot of time into that version of the game, but on switch, In this tech test that I was playing against someone not on Switch, uh, at the end of the first inning, I was down 7-0. I got my butt handed to me. And then I read online that it seemed to be that there was a lot of, not a lot, I mean, relative for the type of game that you would want it to be very precise, that there was input lag when you were playing on Switch compared to other consoles. And I don't know if that was happening to me or not, But if anyone asks, (laughs) that's that's what was happening to me (laughs) because I was missing everything and my pitches were missing and I wasn't making contact when I wanted to. Um, So I'm kind of a mixed bag on it. I love that it exists, but my gameplay hands-on experience with the Switch version and handheld mode left me, um, you can't look a free horse in the mouth, gift horse in the mouth. I feel like I kind of was. I'm like, this is so cool that I have all these stats and features and gameplay modes available to me when it comes out and I can save it. But do I, d- is it a monkey's paw? You know, <laughs> did I make the wrong wish? And Should I just, again, because like Arnie for Ollie Ollie World, it's not as if right now I'm going places. It's like me being so lazy to be like, I don't want to turn on my PS5 to play. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it to me that Uh, Has anybody ever said this before? It occurs to me that uh, the Switch is the fortune cookie of video game consoles. Because you just add in bed at the end to everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you can play
0: MLB The Show in bed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think my wife will understand if I just like, I got a new TV. It lives on the end of our bed. Also, I bought a scalped PS5 off of eBay. <laughs> Why <laughs> did you do all this? Well, have you seen MLB The Show on handheld mode? <laughs> 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 but I'm very excited for it and I probably, knowing me, I probably will get also the Switch version cuz I love cross progression is huge. It's huge in a game like this and and like, you know, Destiny now with Witch Queen coming out and how they brought cross progression and I think any game where you're spending that kind of hours, uh, playing it, and it's available across systems. I'm a big fan of cross progression whenever it happens. Yeah, and kind of like mentioning seeing the Sony logo, uh, studios logo in front of Uncharted. It still blows my mind to turn on my Switch and see that. Like, there's Aloy <laughs> on my Switch. Yeah, um, the future is, is now, and it's and it's very weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very cool.
1: Uh, well, um,
0: my. Parting, or excuse me, my playlist uh, obviously had a lot of Horizon Forbidden West on it still. I just want to play that game all the time. I want to do everything in that game. I spend an inordinate amount of time playing the mini game, turn-based game in the middle. It's so ridiculous. Like how I'm like, I should be progressing in the story, but I also want to (laughs) win. I want to win this match with this NPC that's sitting in this... Tent. <laughs> it's so deep. Anyway,
2: you're describing my experience with Final Fantasy X, where <laughs> it must be the only person that loved Blitzball and ended up spending all this time playing Blitzball instead of finishing the game. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I I love that that's become a thing. Where like, let's have a, a cool turn based game inside our giant role playing world.
1: uh Now I know why the characters were rolling their eyes at you, though, Jeff. Because <laughs> so you weren't true. saving the world. <laughs> it's
0: so true. They're like this, this guy again, but the, the, the board gamer. Um, anyway, uh, we did get this email sent to us this week at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This, this comes to us from Kai, who says, uh, Hey guys, longtime listener here. You know, sometimes you record DLC and big news happens afterwards. And that's kind of funny. Cut to everyone hearing about Street Fighter 6 right now, I guess, after we already put this episode out. But anyway, uh, Kai goes on to say, but also, sometimes one of the biggest game launches of the year happens a few days before recording DLC, and you don't even speak one word about it? What's going on? Lost Ark, Kai says. Kai, you're right. I'm here to remedy that situation. I downloaded me uh, the, the Lost Ark, which is a uh, massively multiplayer action RPG, uh, a Korean game that that has finally hit Western shores. Uh, and it had, I think, 1.2 million concurrence on Steam last week. And we didn't mention it at all because we were so wrapped up in Horizon Forbidden West, which I think is a legitimate excuse. But uh, I got into Lost Ark and I'm here to tell you That game has a really great first impression, uh, at least for a guy like me. A Lost Ark is a sort of what if Diablo and World of Warcraft had a baby. It is, you know, ostensibly a action RPG like Diablo. Uh, Isometric, which by the way, my favorite perspective in all of video games is isometric perspective. I just, I love it. I grew up with it. I love it. Uh, There's something just warming.
1: system. What? Take that metric system and other types of metric.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isometric, My favorite metric. No, my favorite uh, perspective. It's, it. I don't know. There's just something, I mean, I, obviously I love all kinds of games and I love, you know, 3D worlds and all that stuff, but there's just something w- w- that warms my soul when I get to look down on the, the thing in that perspective. I don't know. Works for me. Anyway, uh, you don't see a lot of MMOs in that perspective. And this very much it is an MMO as much as it has the trappings of a game like Diablo in that you are, clicking a lot and you are just wiping out hordes of enemies i mean if you think about a game like uh, wow or or final fantasy 14 or everquest or any of the you know classic mmos uh you know you get in, in real trouble if you take if you you know pull more than two or three mobs at a time most of the time you know there's obviously trash mobs you can mop up but this is a game much more like diablo where it's just sending hordes of bad guys at you and you're just mowing through them and mowing through them in very satisfying ways. Um, Lost Ark, the, the real hook to this game is, A, it's very pretty, and B, they nailed the sensation of being completely OP all the time. Uh, you have a bunch of skills at your disposal. You're just kind of popping them on cooldown all the time. They all, I mean, there's a ton of classes in this game. I think 14... There's a bunch of of classes, and they all have subclasses. So each one feels like a completely distinct thing. Um, Like, for example, I was playing a lot of the gunner class, which has like a bow and arrow subclass, or one where you switch between three different kinds of guns, like a shotgun, pistols, and like rifle, or this heavy gunner class where you're holding this Final Fantasy-style massive, like a human being couldn't lift it, (laughs) <laughs> huge gun, a monster hunter style, you know, huge gun, uh, that you can turn into a tripod. It just so wildly different subclasses from the gunner class. So they are really do feel like individual distinct classes and you have to level them up individually as well. All of them, incredibly satisfying, visceral, just laying weight, all of the things you do feel like the coolest, you know, scorched earth awesome effects every single attack you do every single special move um so just the pure mechanics of playing the game very satisfying which is a good thing because there's not much else meat on that bone (laughs) i mean the I heard story, the, like
1: the, the raids or whatever. Uh, what are the dungeons? Yes. Like I said, the I pure mechanics, like, like the play. I mean,
0: I haven't gotten hmm. into the end game by any stretch. So I I'm very early on in, in lost Ark. So take my uh, opinion with a, with a grain of salt. As I said, it gives a very good first impression, at least to me, it did. Um, but it is, the story is, is pretty uh, ham fisted and not, not interesting. Uh, the quests are very banal and straightforward you know it it, it it's not going to win any awards for storytelling um that said you do really cool things there are epic quests in what you are accomplishing it's just a sort of okay. delivery the the framework of that storytelling is is pretty simplistic and not very engaging um so the good thing is the meat of what you do, the, the substance of what you do, which is click a lot of things and watch them explode. <laughs> is very fun. It's very, very fun. Uh, and the game is really pretty. The game is massive. It is, there's so much to do and it's been out for like, I don't know, three or four years, uh, uh overseas. So, you know, there's tons of content, and it's been sort of, um, you know, play tested for lack of a better term. Uh And I mean, I I'm in it. I'm digging this game a lot. I mean, it it is so pretty on so many levels. It has so many cool little flourishes. Everything feels epic. Uh, it's, and and it's it's free, free, right? Free, like free. Not,
1: so what what are have you experienced? How it is? It packs. Is it
0: you can buy stamina boosts. like what's the uh, okay. you can buy boosts which are not played uh pay to win they really are just pay to spend less time doing stuff um you get sure. you know boosts that uh, up your experience that you get from things or let you fast travel or um what else do they do you know th- there's just sort of uh things that that speed up your leveling process or let you play more you know uh quickly kind of uh, soften the edges of, of, of certain things that you need to do, but none of it makes you any particularly more powerful than another person who's not paying for anything, which is good. Uh, and then there's lots of aesthetic stuff, right? There's mounts oh. and doodads and hats and cool things that you can buy in the store. So there's you know, a huge store full of all that stuff, but you could play this game entirely without paying a single red cent and I don't think you would have any kind of a less than experience than anybody that was. You'd, it would take you more hours to level up a character than somebody that was paying to boost. But other than that, I think you would, you know, it, it, I think they're doing the free to play model pretty well and pretty smartly and pretty fairly, um, which is to their credit, you know, because this is Amazon Studios that's publishing it. So, you know, sometimes you hear Amazon, you go, whoa they're going to ticky tack me to <laughs> kingdom come you know but not here not in this case at least not yet um but lost arc i i mean it just doesn't feel like most mmos most mmos feel very samey this be- from its perspective which is very different to the number of enemies to the way you play things and i mean there aren't it's not i have friends that love playing diablo because they can just sort of zen out and have a good time and and not have to think too hard. And I kind of feel like that's what this game does. I mean, I guess there's elements of that with any MMO where you're sort of just doing your dailies or whatever and you're zenning out. But this one, you really do just, you can just muscle your way through almost anything until you get to the big bosses. But, it, but it's just so satisfying to do that. It, you're just seeing this symphony of destruction on the screen and you're you're marching through your cooldowns and just hitting whatever <laughs> whatever a skill is off cooldown barely ever using your basic attack because you have eight skills plus an ultimate all the time it's fun it's fun and it's free so it's, it's hard not to recommend at least giving it a shot if these type of games are your jam so that's lost Ark. And thank you, Kai, for forcing me to to give it a shot because uh, I, I like it. I like it a lot. We'll see if it has the st- uh, stands the test of time. I mean, again, it's you know, leveling to fifty before you get to Endgame. I have not done that. Uh, I've heard Endgame is actually pretty good, but I have not. I haven't played with friends. I haven't played in a group. But it, it's actually a pretty darn good solo MMO experience, which is also not you know not super common. Um
1: right now Jeff's family is emailing Kai. Dear Kai, we do not thank you for recommending Lost Ark to Jeff.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lost Ark, more like Lost Jeff, am I right? <laughs> anyway, how it do isn't.
2: they Oh, ahead, uh, how, how do they balance the the feeling of being OP with like at least providing you enough challenges so that, you know, you feel like you're
0: challenged as you're progressing? Well, that's that's the I mean, that's either a problem or a benefit depending on how you look at it. They, you know for the most part there isn't much challenge uh and and then these like these challenge spikes will happen which is you'll get to a big boss and I, I hear that the end game is much more challenging and and you have to really work together and do cool stuff i haven't experienced that but it it really is like most through the tra- trash mobs but the mowing through the trash mobs is is, is just viscerally entertaining it, it, it is just this sea of bad dude, you know, demons and things rushing at you from all sides. And you're just, you know, unleashing these massive attacks on them. I mean, truly, like, you get new skills every five levels, but you start out with incredibly devastating, awesome stuff. I mean, you're not, it's not like most MMOs where it's like, you can hit, and then, you know, level five, you get, you know, fireball you know it's like you are you the mage class starts with like eight aoe's you know it's just like it's uh, it's pretty cool so you know depending on your point of view that can be a downside in the sense that it it is more of this zen experience it isn't uh super challenging in the leveling process or at least hasn't been for me until you get into you know you hit a boss and then the boss is like a total you know damage sponge and it just takes a, a lot of doing you have to avoid attacks and stuff but but i find it to be very very satisfying and fun r- regardless of that
2: it's great have you tried the pvp i
0: have not i have not um is that is that some is that your thing have you not really i mean i that? got into pvp with wow for a long time and got really into it to the point where i was like buying new keyboards and mice to like have buttons that were more accessible and all that. And I got really down the rabbit hole of that stuff. I sp- I bought like four different mice. Mi- I'm left-handed too. So it's, <laughs> it was like, there are very few mice that work for me. Anyway, more information than you needed. But uh, no, the, the short answer is no, I have not tried the PVP <laughs> for Lost Ark yet. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let me thank our final sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace, you know them, you love them. They have sponsored the show since the beginning and they continue to do so. And I continue to be very happy to recommend Squarespace for anybody that needs a website for any reason, whether you are showcasing your work, whether you're blogging or publishing content, whether you're selling products or this or, or any kind of service, whether you are promoting a physical business of some kind or just announcing an upcoming event, anything that you need a website for, Squarespace can make a beautiful website so simple. You can make it yourself. You don't have to pay somebody. You don't have to learn HTML. You don't have to stress. You can make it yourself and make it stand out, make it beautiful, make it unique. What you do is you start with their powerful, beautiful templates that are created by world-class designers, and then you just customize. It's so simple. You drag and drop, you just fiddle with stuff. Make it your own, make it interesting, make it unique. Do you need e-commerce? Do you need to sell something? Couple clicks, all of a sudden, your website is a storefront. So simple. Everything is optimized for mobile, right out of the box. They have analytics to help you grow in real time. They have built-in search engine optimization. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. It's just the easiest way to have a website. Why not check it out? Plus, if you run into any problems, 24 7 award winning customer support. Check it out squarespace.com slash Jeff Sent Me. You'll get a free trial. You don't even have to give them a credit card. And when you're ready to launch your site, then you use offer code Jeff Sent Me, J E F F S E N T M E. All one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. They also sell domains. In fact, I just bought com, which doesn't, isn't set up yet, but I bought it on Squarespace and I used promo code Jeff sent me to get myself 10% off because I am a smart person who takes advantage of deals. So you do it too. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me promo code Jeff sent me to save yourself 10% off. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you, Arnie Myers, for being here. Totally appreciate it. I know it was a long time in coming. I hope it lived up to the hype.
2: (laughs) It was amazing. It did live up to the hype. We announced it seven
0: years ago. We finally released it now. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Still in development. Our... uh, our guesting of Arnie on the show. Anyway, uh, Arnie, tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Arnie Meyer. Uh, pretty easy to find. Um, and, you know, obviously I work at Naughty Dog. So, you know, please check out the great stuff that everybody at the studio is doing at, at Naughty underscore dog. Uh, best place is going to be on Twitter for, for both
0: of us. Very, very cool. Can't wait to see the next thing that is announced. Pregnant pause for you to (laughs) tell us
2: anything. (laughs) So what happens when you get a PR professional on a podcast? Yeah,
0: Yeah, He's very media trained, ladies and gentlemen. Very media trained. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week?
1: Well, I'll be going to LinkedIn.com slash Naughty Dog Careers to peruse who might be posting spoilers (laughs) for their next game to get those hot scoop. Oh, they hired a multiplayer isometric camera op uh, designer. <laughs> oh, isometric. Christian okay. doesn't uh, know.
0: Christian doesn't know video game jobs.
1: They posted a person who does designing. <laughs> hmm, looks like this is going to be designed. Um Twitter's the best way at Spicer S P I C E R. I have a newsletter. You can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, where I do uh long form writing about video games. I do about one or two a month. This past one was about uh, how February has not released a game of the year in over a decade. Um, and I'm curious if this February will be the February that breaks that trend. Um, ooh, it's going to be, this is still a good year games. And then uh, I, I can, I, I'm talking to you and some fun friends uh, about movies um, here this next coming week as well. Mr. Kanata. That's right. That Fine. At the film cast. Christian's going to be on the the film cast as
0: our guest, talking about, this is like synergy right here, talking about Uncharted, the movie. So we're going to have everybody's uh, interests uh, all aligned in one magical moment. Uh, We're recording that Tuesday night, so it'll be out on Wednesday. One
1: tease now, just uh, as I saw it by myself, and my wife goes, should I watch it? And I said, no, Tom Holland looks very ugly in it. (laughs) <laughs> you don't need to see it you're fine it's <laughs> he's very ugly don't worry about it
2: <laughs> he absolutely does not
0: have his shirt off in one of the scenes yeah mm-hmm. doing i think
1: pull-ups as i recall correctly not, not waste of time don't watch it you yeah.
0: Don't. <laughs> yeah it's like oh he's still got the spider body he definitely still has the spider body
1: anyway uh you can
0: check that out uh at uh wherever you get find podcasts I've been looking for the film cast um also I do a uh, long form Dungeons and Dragons show, a storytelling show. Oh my goodness, last week's episode was a humdinger. Uh it was uh the the final reveal of what this entire story that we've been telling f- for over a 100 episodes, 110 episodes. Uh we got to the 110th ep- episode and I finally spilled the beans. Uh the episode is called The Vulnerable World and uh and you'll see why if you check it out. Uh anywhere you get podcast, you can listen to the audio version of The Dungeon Run, or you can find us on YouTube uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run, or you can watch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. I also do the fan-controlled football show at twitch.tv slash FCF, and We Have Concerns, which is the comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, so this is where we do Parting Gifts, but now patrons are going to get an extended special episode of The Parting Gifts uh, with Arnie. Arnie's going to hang out with us and talk about some recommendations. He's going to recommend a book, a couple of podcasts. Uh, Christian is recommending a uh, comic book, and I am going to recommend, boy, a bunch of stuff, including a a monster truck rally that I went to. What? Check that out by coming a Becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash dlcpod. We are super grateful to our patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, all of our hype train patrons will get uh, individual mentions here next week. Thank you all uh, for supporting the show and making it possible for this show to continue. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.